Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? I'm I'm great. Uh, yeah, things are good. I've uh, I've gotten through a very stressful week of work. A mm-hmm. couple weeks, really. Um, and things are not totally calm, yeah. but uh, more manageable. So okay. I'm, I'm in a good mood. Yeah, I don't know. How are you? How are you? I'm, f- I'm fine. It's August? Yeah. You know what that means? What's that? Award season is literally about to start. <laughs> I guess that is kind of true. I mean, Telluride is at the end of the month. Mm. And then Venice yeah. is, starts at the end of August, I think, and goes into September. And then you've got TIFF. Yeah. I mean, it's practically award season. I mean, it, like, admittedly, you sent this email early, but I, I do remember uh, a few weeks ago you emailed our... Uh, our fantasy awards draft uh, participants and said, "Hey, it's going to sneak up on us. Like, yeah. when do we when do we want to meet up for the draft?" Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's it's right around the corner. Um, I'm going to be. I guess I, I've put this out there, but I'm, I'll say it again. Um, from from September 10th to the 23rd, I'm going to be in Scotland. So if you live in Scotland, um, I realize that's the entire country, but if you live anywhere in Scotland, chances are sometime during that almost two-week period, um, I'll be near you. So if you would like to uh, grab coffee or something like that, I always like to talk with listeners and get their feedback on things, especially if they're from another country. Now, you're there with your wife. Yes. Jenny mm-hmm. is her name. <laughs> yeah. Does she come along with you? How does she feel about meeting uh, listeners? Uh, it all it all depends. Sometimes she comes with me. Sometimes she doesn't. Because um, I think like I'm going to be in Paris, October, I think 15th through 23rd. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be with my wife. Like if it were just me, I'd be like, yeah, listeners, let's yeah. meet. But I'm, I'm there with my wife. Like, admittedly, I'm just gonna- we're going to be there with another couple that we are friends with from Chicago. So if there's an instance where. I'm, I'm going to hang out with a, a listener or something like that. Uh, and Jen doesn't want to come. She can still, she still has people to hang out with. Okay. okay. So yeah, that makes sense. that's, and then like in New Zealand, when we were in Auckland, Jen was shooting a wedding and I hung out with a listener that day. But then in Wellington, uh, our friend, uh, well, he's not our friend, so he's not a friend of the show, but he's a frequent, he's a list, long time listener and frequent emailer and that sort of thing. Um, uh, but he, uh, I asked if he said like, Hey, I live in Wellington. Do you want to go to dinner? I said, sure. And then Jen said, yeah, I want to go. So sometimes she does. Sometimes she doesn't. It's all, it's, it's kind of a, depends on her mood. Well, I guess that's the top of the show topic out of the way. No, no, David, wait, wait. I did. Um, and it's, there are TV related. It is TV related. I've, I've gathered, uh, there are two ways to talk about this. I have opinions on both of them, but I'm reluctant to give one because I haven't seen the show. And neither have I. Right. But this is an instance where like if somebody, I think you and I once made this comparison a long time ago that someone, uh, saying like, Oh, I, I, I hate football because I don't like the uniforms or something like that. Uh, and then someone else says, well, Oh no, it was a specific game. Like, Oh, I didn't like that game, uh, because I didn't like the uniforms and just like, yeah, but that has nothing to do with the game itself. Like your reason, you know, there's a way to talk around something, uh, and you don't need to have seen it or talking out, out of school. Anyway, the, the show 13 reasons why. Okay. 
It is based on a book. There is now a second season of it. It was very popular. Oh. Um, and it is about... Uh, and there's a second season. Yeah. Uh, the first season is, is an adaptation of the book, and then the second season is a departure from that. Um, so like they do with everything now. Big Little Lies. Uh, pretty much. Under the Game Dome. Game of Thrones, yeah. Game of Thrones went on beyond the... Yeah. Under the Dome. Who thinks about that anymore? But I guess what I'm saying is like Game of Thrones was developed to be a series. But Big Little sure. Lies and Under the Dome were like... Let's make a mini series based on this novel, yeah. And then, like, oh, this thing's successful. Let's turn it into a series, right? And then, uh, everyone, uh, in case of Under the Dome, at least everyone hates the second season, even if, even though not very many people, I think, liked the first season. Yeah, I, I saw <laughs> a few episodes. King, by the way, I saw a few episodes of the first season, and it's yeah, not that good. Um, so. What I'll say is I've not seen 13 Reasons Why, but I, I know it's, it's not just that I know a lot about the series. The, it, the thing that we're going to, that I want to talk about today actually has nothing to do with the content of the season. Okay. Um, good. Cause I don't know anything about it. Right. So it, it involves, um, the suicide of, of a character and we see her suicide and then she has left a number of tapes, uh, exposing everyone else that might've like contributed to her mindset. Uh, uh, that led to her doing this. Anyway, um, now. Okay, so far this does not sound like a good show. It does not sound like a good show. <laughs> and in fact, I will say, and this is the thing, I haven't seen the show, so I can't speak to how it treats suicide. However, this last year I worked at a number of middle schools, and the show was very popular with middle schoolers, and I had to go in for a training session, which was how to talk about middle school, how to talk to middle schoolers about suicide and what phrases to look for, stuff like that. And there has been a huge uptick in suicide attempts and actually and successful suicides um, in a younger, in a younger audience. I mean, it's, you can, it's like hmm. there was before the show aired and oh, after really like it's, it's. And so as a result of that, Netflix decided that they were going to remove <laughs> the, the scene of the character committing suicide. Now I have my, again, I haven't seen the show, but to me, you're really doing the wrong thing by removing that scene. Because one of the big things that, that the guidance counselor who gave me my training, uh, one thing that she had said was the show is such where we are con- we see flashbacks of this character after she has killed herself. We're hearing tapes of her voice. There is no absence. The character is just cause she's dead. She's still kind of there. Mm-hmm. And so there are times when like middle schoolers would say to her, like, you know, they would literally say like, if I killed myself, then they would see. And she, and then she would have to say, Yes, but you wouldn't see them see. You wouldn't be there to appreciate that. Do you understand that? Like, mm-hmm. you're gone at this point. And then the number of middle schoolers, again, this is according to a guidance counselor, boots on the ground. She's right there in the thick sure. of it. Okay. And they would say, like, oh, I didn't think of that. And it's like, yeah, like, for a show to, for a show about, that, that could seemingly be about the negative impact of suicide, all it's doing is the suicide here is like a form of comeuppance for everybody else. That's why I said it didn't sound like a good show. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> sound like a good show. But and it's and it, but it seems to me like so the one thing that you, we wound up talking about the thing I didn't want to talk about, but like it seems to me the one thing that you can really cling to is 
to demystify and deglamorize suicide is to show the suicide itself and how horrible it is. But that's the one thing they took out. So now you're not even seeing the bad part and all you're seeing are the quote unquote positive effects of it, which is like, wow, that's a, that's really so missing. You're saying it could backfire. I know. Crazy, right? Uh, yes, I think it could. And so, but again, I have not, I think all of those objections I just came up with are not having seen the show. I still think they're legitimate objections, but I almost feel like I need to see, I should watch the show simply so that I can speak more authoritatively about, about the content. What I will say though, is that the idea of taking a single scene out of the show is something that I feel like means so much more now in the streaming age than in the old days, you know, the Puerto Rican day parade of Seinfeld, like that episode after like it was, it was controversial. And then in syndication, they didn't really show it very often. Um, Homer, uh, the city of New New York versus Homer Simpson because of the world trade center after nine 11, they stopped airing that in syndication. So that's a situation where when we come around to when that episode should be airing, it simply doesn't. And people are, people are none the wiser, but with streaming, a show is ever present. It's it's mm-hmm. always the first, second, third season happening always at this moment. And so, to remove a, a controversial scene, a controversial scene, it is as though it's being released for the first time this way. And it, it just, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing, but it definitely does. It feels inherently wrong that a work of art regardless of how effective i think it is that a work of art can be altered and there is no alternate version of it like there's there you don't you can't see the original version it's not out there anymore like this is streaming this is the only way you can see it and now from because of because of the the attitudes and the protests this thing is removed and it's never going to come back uh and there's just something about there's something about that that seems unfortunate to me because I feel like that's something that could happen. Like who's to say that Netflix couldn't do it with a movie or another TV show where like, okay, uh, like the idea of a work of art being done and finished and you can either take it Uh or leave it in when it's something that was made for streaming and it's, and it exists solely in that way. I feel like that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I don't know, but I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be alarmist. It's more just, I took, I, I took note of it and been like, okay, this is yeah. something it's different than it used to be. Yeah. I wish I had more thoughts, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. What you're saying. That's it's an interesting uh, yeah. conundrum. Um, it's always yeah, interesting to me to, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, like you mentioned with the Puerto Rican Day Parade and the city of New York versus Homer Simpson, eventually those came back. To, they did come back, yeah. So I feel like, who knows, maybe yeah. someday there will be a, uh, I don't know, unrated, or I mean it's unrated, anyway, sure. but there will be some sort of cut that has a, a trigger warning or whatever, you know. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, that's the thing is, this is one where it's verifiable that the show had a negative impact a negative, a negative cultural impact. But is it verifiable that it's that scene or is it just, exactly the show to me? I think it's the show. And so does zero in on that scene. It's like, well, this is the most tangible thing. So obviously this is the thing we need to remove. It's like, no, I think you're, I think you might be wrong in your bones here. It's, uh, 
so yeah, but nonetheless, it was just, I, I always like to pay attention to the impact that new distribution technology has on the product itself. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be a TV show and the concept of binging a TV show and what that can allow a film, a, a, a show runner to do from one episode to the next. Like you don't necessarily need to try to have a cliffhanger that can bring someone back a week later. Yeah. It's going to be five seconds I before the next that, one starts. Though. What was that? I mourn that. Kind of story I do. I mostly do, but I also recognize that like when it's all bingeable, you can allow an episode that's a little bit off, that's a little bit different and maybe isn't quite so plot heavy. And maybe you can just focus on character knowing that they're going to watch it and just move on to the next one. Yeah. I think, but I think good shows are already doing that. Maybe it's happening more now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, a. I think the best shows do that. I'm out of, I, I'm so like spent so much of my life trying to be like, I don't want to get out of touch, but I feel like with TV, I'm out of it, which I, is so fascinating because like you were the TV guy, but you also watch a lot more movies than you used to. Like yeah. you've clearly replaced it with something that is, you know, obviously more valuable <laughs> and also to I feel this like, show. I mean, I've already made this case on the show before, but TV has changed in a way that it's, I'm happy for all the people who like it and all the people mm-hmm. who get to make it, even though with the advent of streaming, people are getting paid less to make TV. Um, yeah. But, uh, and that's, that's sad. Um, but, uh, anyway, TV has changed into something that is largely just not what I wanted out of TV. Um, cause it is more of that, like this, all these episodes are just links in a chain and we're working yeah. toward an ending. I don't know. I, I've, I'm, I'm repeating myself and that's the yeah. real mark of an out of touch old man is to keep making the same case over and over again. So instead let's pay some bills. Okay. I'm going to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful color colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. You know what I was listening to today? What's that? Speaking of the word styles, I had my tweakedaudio.com earbuds plugged into my computer. Okay. I mean, I'm going to take you back a few steps. You're going to set the scene. Well, just because it's like a, there's, there's a few there's a, there's a few landmarks or, or milestones in this plot here that I have to get to. Okay. So someone that I follow on Twitter was tweeting some like negative things about some dumb music they were listening to. Okay. And my thought was I was going to tweet something like, just don't listen to this. Listen to good music. Which then I was like, I should tell him to listen to metal. And then that made me think of the lyric. Do you, do you remember the song Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus? Like your like end of our co- high school, beginning of college? I, I don't think so. But I, the, it might be one of the many songs that yeah. just would be playing, and I couldn't tell you what it was called or who But the chorus it. has a line, because I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Listen to Iron Maiden, baby. <laughs> so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find the gif from that music video with the sub title listen to iron maiden baby and i'm going to tweet that at him to tell him just listen to iron maiden so i look start looking for gifts for listen to iron maiden baby and i get gifts of harry styles from one direction seeing it and i look it up and apparently this is on their final tour this was a thing that they covered one direction covered teenage dirtbag at every one of their uh. it was never officially released on an album it's on the um because i watched it on youtube uh it's on the like their dvd like concert dvd okay. of them doing it 
And so I ended up going down a wormhole of watching probably three or four different concert videos like the official one and then a bunch of them were like just from the audience just all these videos i watched like four different videos of one direction in different cities around the world covering teenage dirtbag by weedus and it was great because i love as someone who is an advocate for people who should listen to more heavy music sure i love the idea of new of new, new direction no that's glee one direction <laughs> telling an entirely new generation sure of kids listen to iron maiden baby no. and so I, that's what i was doing with my tweet.com earbuds today i was watching uh harry styles let me see if i can name all the members of one direction okay harry styles that's the one i know zane malik okay um um joe jonas right yeah uh, um nick jonas yeah and steven universe i think right. those are the five taylor hansen <laughs> um <laughs> those are the five members of one direction no uh, yeah uh, so it sounded great and it, like so it looked great on youtube um there was one because like they take turns singing you know there's five people in the band sure one direction they take turns singing there was one that i watched that, as like, every band does uh, everyone takes their turn singing right that's how that's how bands I, work. i'm not gonna talk shit about one direction okay they clearly i clearly like them now um even though they all didn't they also do that song that's like you don't know you're beautiful and that's what makes you beautiful i hate that song because <laughs> yeah it's a gross sentiment and yeah. i also think about our you and i have a mutual friend her name is melissa and uh, her daughter heard that song mm. and was like, what is that about? And her mom tried to, Melissa tried to explain it to her. And <laughs> Melissa's daughter's response was, that's stupid. Beautiful people know they're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, no, I, I've gotten so far. Oh, yeah, so I was watching one. Like, So they take turns, you know, they all take turns singing part of the song. The one was clearly the cell phone was being held by someone who had a crush on Harry Styles because that's all we saw. So oh, there are sure. entire parts where you're like, Zane or I don't know I feel like there's like a Nile maybe sure um realizing it's probably Neil it's just spelled Nile hmm. anyway um they're singing and it's just on Harry Styles just sort of dancing and waiting for his turn to sing again anyway look great sounding great on my uh tweakedaudio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com you uh should do that but uh you should also use the offer code pretension at checkout and get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes, I have a question for you. Is it about One Direction? No, it's about covers. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't mean this to sound, I don't mean this overly negative. What the hell is Weezer doing right now? Like I don't know. You, uh, I mean, they're they're covering things, but they're also clearly trying to get as close to it as possible. Oh, that the, thing. Oh, yeah. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like the other day, I was I was driving and I was uh, had uh, Pandora on, and Mr. Blue Sky came on, 
and it sounded only slightly off. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's weird. What, why does it sound a little bit off? And I saw that it was an entirely different band. Yeah, I listened to the whole trying, album, and it's, yeah, that's all it is. It's not like, oh, what if, what would Weezer sound like? It's like, no, they're going to try and do an impression of these bands. Who produced like, the album? Gus Van Sant? Uh, <laughs> good one. Thank um, you. Uh, but I, I don't know if they have this. I, I wonder, because I, they did that cover of... Africa, yeah, and it is their biggest song ever. It is the most popular song that Weezer has ever released, and it sounds. I couldn't. You could play them side by side. I wouldn't be able to tell you which was which. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I know Rivers' voice enough. Yeah, that's but, probably true. Yeah, um, yeah. It's Weezer is just. I don't know, but I feel like we're retread. Did you watch that SNL sketch last year? No, I did not. Oh, there's uh, one about this. About Weezer. There's, oh, okay. It's a dinner party, a Christmas dinner party, where the topic of Weezer comes up. Matt Damon, Matt Damon was the host. Okay. Matt Damon, Matt, I keep saying Matt Damon. Mm. Matt Damon, his character is a fan of new Weezer. Okay. Whereas um, Leslie uh, Jones, Jones, is that her name? Yeah. Her character is a fan, like, true Weezer fans sure. of, like, the Blue Album and Pinkerton, and that's about yeah. it. And they get into a huge shouting match and part of the joke is that the rest of the members of the dinner party are like either don't know what they're talking about or like because Matt Damon goes like because uh, uh, she's like you're still listening to them and she's like and he's like oh yeah I'm right or die and Cecily Strong is like for Weezer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a very funny sketch. Uh, you should yeah. watch that. And and I don't begrudge, you know, Weezer or Rivers Cuomo like doing this go ahead and do it but I just don't understand is an experiment. It feels like an experiment where they want to see, can we get as close as possible? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very odd. Um, yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe they're trying to do all they still can because one of the sad things, that's I mean, I'm very happy for, for Toto that they're, sure. they, cause this is oh, yeah. good for them too. But they in return started covering hash pipe in concert. Okay. And like, I mean, the guy from Toto, I can't remember his name. He can't even sing Toto songs as well as he used right. to doing like that high pitched. Yeah. Cause I can, you know, you know, those on hash pipe, it has that like, it's like a very oh, yes, 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 high yes. pitched song. Yeah. Um, it's like, Ooh, that was a little bit. It's all, that, anyway. that part's almost fal- falsetto though. I feel like you can do a falsetto. Like a person can like, but, you don't have to hit a high no- to be able to hit a high note in order to do a pretty good falsetto, but oh, okay. oh well. All right. Um, What's on the Patreon this week? Tell people about the Patreon. Don't you tell me what to do. I'll tell. I'll I was going to do it, but not because you told me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's one of my favorite 30 Rock uh, Larry bits. King. Yeah. I will, but not because you told me. <laughs> Tracy Jordan saying three fake thing, three real things, and then a joke. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, yeah, Patreon is a, uh, this week is the mailbag. Um where we answer various questions and we out and we also pontificate longer than one would think about earthquakes, yeah. uh, which then led, uh, David to play a, just a delightful clip, uh, that we included both in the video and in the audio. Um, so, uh, yeah. So for those that don't know, um, there's a new Patreon episode every Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on, uh, how long it takes to edit. Um, 
and uh, there are different there are different tiers. Uh, so there's the two dollar Swabby tier, and for that, you actually don't get a weekly episode. You get one episode per month. I decide which episode it'll be uh, based on what I think you will enjoy the most. Um, but yeah, if you just kind of want to dip your toe in the water and you just want to see if you if you would enjoy this, uh, that's what that's support us for. Yeah, if you just want to give us that we're yeah that we've given you something worth uh, a couple bucks a month exactly you could just support us and get an extra bonus episode uh but then uh then there's the five dollar uh petty officer and for that you get all of our audio uh all of our episodes uh in audio form and then there's the admiral tier uh and that is for ten dollars a month um and for that you get all of our audio episodes, all of our video episodes, and then you also get uh, previous uh, premium yeah. content as well, available to you at so all times. For that, you get the head, the tail. whole damn thing. Thank you for bringing in more nautical <laughs> stuff. I appreciate it. So, uh, But yeah, you can go to ba- uh, patreon.com slash battleshippretension, or you can go to battleshippretension.com and click on the Patreon link. That'll get you there. Uh, and yeah, and it is it is a great way to support the show. Uh, we take that money and we put it towards you know david goes to uh tiff he goes to sundance um (laughs) we used to both go to comic-con i want to try and make that happen again for myself but yeah like that stuff costs money and through you know sponsorships and through but these days especially through our patreon that is how we pay for things so uh if you do like the show and you want to be able to and you want to sponsor us but you also get something in return uh this is a really good way to do it so you can check that out and uh you can comment on the patreon and we'll try to respond this is a note we got yeah we are not yeah interactive enough on the patreon page note taken exactly note we will try to be more Interactive. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Engaging. Engaging. Yeah. We'll engage more. Yeah. All right. So here's a, 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 a here's a topic. Let's get into it, shall we? And the topic actually kind of s- works really well with what we've been talking about so far. Talking about like old school and new school and how things used to be and how yeah. they are and feeling out but of touch. What's interesting to me? Well, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. My my question, and I've thought about this a lot uh, for years is are we both as critics or just as people who watch a lot of movies Mm -hmm. it could be any of you at home too are we harder on new movies than old movies i think we are i think the answer is yes and i think that's true for everybody yeah i I think it's true for everybody but what i uh, one of the things that was so interesting to me or that made me want to do the topic to do this as as a discussion is how quickly one transits for me at least a movie transitions from the first category to the second. Like if it's no longer the year, cause we, we've definitely think about movies in terms of years, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like if I, if there's a 2018 movie that I didn't see white boy, Rick, let's say white boy. Rick. Sure. I never saw it. Even though it only came out less than a year ago. If I watched it today, I would probably be less hard on it than I was last year. Sure. I think part of that is to use a very, uh, film Twitter, very popular film Twitter term, uh, discourse, the discourse. Sure. While while the discourse is ongoing, I know I, I feel like I am almost reflexively more critical of things. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because it's, and you're more tuned into what other people are saying. Right. Um, whereas, 
especially if it's film, White Boy Rick is a perfect example. It's probably the only perfect, it, the only time it could ever be a perfect example <laughs> of anything. Um, it, it's a film that was talked I was about. Actually, you mentioned TIFF. I went. I was looking at my <clears throat> my Google Doc that I had my my TIFF schedule on last year, mm. and I didn't like. I had like at certain time slots, I would have different options, like press screenings that were going on. Yeah, and I was like, I uh, I. Came this close to seeing White Boy Rick at TIFF and didn't, and now I'll probably never see it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing is uh, every movie, even if it's forgettable, even if it's mainstream, if it's more of an art house film, if it's American, if it's uh, a foreign film, like it doesn't really matter. If it's happening right now, then that's it's what everybody is talking about. And if you're talking about it with another person, then that's it forces you to have an opinion and then, and it forces you to, un, to hear somebody else's opinion. But usually once the discourse has moved on to yeah. the next town, uh, you know, yeah. it, and the dust has settled, there's less pressure to immediately form an opinion. Frankly, there's less pressure to express an opinion. Mm-hmm. You can just go back to a movie, experience it on your own and have the, whatever reaction you're going to have. And yes, you might, seek out other people's opinion immediately after but you also you don't have to whereas if you watch a movie you know once upon a time in hollywood right now other people's opinions are being this is a little bit too dramatic other people's opinions are foisted on us like you can't really avoid it whether it be like on facebook or twitter if you if you follow anybody who likes movies you'll get their opinion even if it's just one or two sentences about what they think of the film which then forces you to think what you know to maybe verbalize or put into words mentally what you think of it and maybe you're not ready to yet whereas you know if you go and watch a film from 10 years ago that no one's talking about anymore even if they were talking about it then you're just like ah this is nice I can just watch a movie and let it sink in let it simmer and then maybe I'll and come up with an opinion about it yeah we'll talk about District 9 in a couple months and I've uh, sure (laughs) um and the other thing that happens with the film Twitter discourse, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, maybe off uh, air, be wary of getting dragged into things where one person says something stupid mm-hmm. and you don't even see the person say something stupid. Yeah. All you see are a half day's worth of people dunking on them. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I can't believe anyone thinks that about this movie. It's like, yeah, one person said a dumb thing. Yes. Just because half the people you follow yeah. are uh, are responding to it doesn't mean it's actually a widely held opinion yeah so and some, that's, there's some of that stuff some of the dumb uh, one that, time in Hollywood uh, takes I've just ignored them oh uh, what uh, what are some of the dumb takes uh, see I just tried to okay one that I think was pretty handily refuted so I just ignored it is and it, is, it came up a little bit with Hateful Eight too someone saying um, Quentin Tarantino treats often treats the murders of women as punchlines or jokes. And the the refuting of that, which came, I think, uh, very helpfully for me on my feed, mostly from women, yeah. is that, like, yeah, he does that for a lot of characters. Some of them are women. Some yeah. of them are Marvin from Pulp Fiction. You know, some of them are eight, Channing Tatum from Hateful yeah. Eight. Like, yeah, sometimes a very brutal, sudden murder is funny, Darkly yeah. funny in a Quentin Tarantino movie, and sometimes it's women, and sometimes it's not. I don't know. That and and I don't see the I don't see the the 
murder of Daisy in Hateful Eight, I don't see that as funny. No, and that, it's, yeah, it's treated, and I don't see it as glib either. It's treated, it's given quite a bit of weight. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. even if we see it as a positive, because she's the villain, um, even if we see it as a positive, that's not the same as it being light or anything like that. Right. Well, I think, yeah, the one that gets brought up a lot, which I'm kind of um, of two minds about, which is okay, is um, uh, Bridget Fonda in Jackie Brown, because it's so sudden yeah. that I do feel like when I first saw it, I probably laughed more out of like being startled than sure. anything else. There's but an incredulity there. Was, doesn't mean that I was like, hot, it's funny, she's dead. Like, I feel yeah. awful about it, you know? Um, and Robert De Niro, uh, you know, gets his uh, yeah. for having for having done that. But it does in the moment because it's such a sudden shock. It does. Right. But it's uh, not White Boy Bob from uh, Out of Sight. Which that, is really like, funny. Yeah. Like, that's genuinely funny. Like, there's the initial surprise and then the laugh. Here, yeah. the laugh comes from the surprise. And then it's just the realization. It's like... Man, it's the. I was talking with this uh, about this with a friend of the show, Jason Eakin, the other day. That the the violence in that film, even even Chris Tucker's character, like even his like the lead up and then the eventual just very perfunctory death, could be seen as kind of amusing. But like this is a situation where like the only people that ever die are villains Mm -hmm. or associates associates of the villains and they mostly kill each other. And so like each death is meaningful in that sense that like, yeah, these guys, they just don't care. Mm -hmm. Like if you're bothering someone or if you've done the wrong thing or if someone, if, if the villain stands to gain from your death, that's just what they're going to do. There's no loyalty. And so like her death to me is, Symbolic of a deeper thing that Tarantino is doing with that story, yeah. but anyway, See, you made me talk about a dumb take that I didn't want to talk about. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, I was going to go further, but I realized this is not the movie journal. We are not doing spoilers for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Correct. so we can't talk about any deaths yeah. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. That would be wrong. So, um, how the hell did I get here? There is that the weird. Discourse. There is that weird scene in Once Upon a Time in America where Brad Pitt is just like Wait, shooting in America. Uh, sorry, in in Hollywood. Pardon me. Where Brad Pitt is just like shooting this woman in the face over and over, and then saying, "This means nothing to me." Yeah, it's an right. odd choice, but yeah. I could, you know, I think it has meaning. Right, and Robert Richardson just lights it so well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly just overhead fluorescent lights. It's an odd, again, an odd choice. Um, overhead is not odd for Robert Richardson. He that's, definitely likes to have. That's true. He likes to have the lights pointing straight down at the actors. Yeah, uh, and sometimes light the lights uh, the carpet on fire. You know that, right? In which one? Nixon. Nixon. Okay, because yeah. I know like. Um, in Natural Born Killers, like Woody, Woody Harrelson with his bald head, like had almost got like skin damage oh sure yeah under under those lights especially yeah. in, you know like there's like the dream sequences or there's like those nightmare sequences when yeah. you look at the camera and the lights it's right there right there and yeah, yeah. So he like almost uh did some permanent damage to woody harrelson's hate <laughs> um, um anyway back to the topic yeah because here's what i was like I would, to get back to how quickly it happens is that the thing that really made me think of it was that a couple movies journals ago, I talked about a movie from 2016 directed by Bob Nelson called the confirmation Mm -hmm. that I don't really recommend. I think on the, but on the podcast I was willing to point out like the things that I thought were kind of idiosyncratic and like distinct and particular to that movie that I was like, uh, this is interesting that he made this thing. But overall, if I had seen it in 2016, um, among like, the conversation of where does this fit in the movies of the year? Yes. I would have been much more focused on what didn't work about the movie than 
what did. Yeah, I think that definitely has something to do with what we do. And as you said, the discourse is that it you're you're forced to think like where does this fit on my list of the year and even if you go back and and redo remake your list of 2016 which i know you do like you're doing that for you you're doing that for yourself you're not doing that for our listeners or our readers or any of the other critics we know you're doing that solely for you whereas um i think there is admittedly it's 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 pressure that we maybe put on ourselves because of the choices that we've made about like our careers and that sort of thing but uh but nonetheless, it's still there is a pressure to form an opinion, ra- you know, rank the film and then talk about it in reference to other films of the year, not merely artistically, but also culturally. And mm-hmm. and I think under that level, you know, you could say that like, oh, we're, you, we look at it with a, with a critical eye, you know, we're criticizing it, we're critiquing it. I think when you're looking at a newer movie that just came out another word is scrutinize. I feel like we're actually scrutinizing the films more when they're right now in the moment, right in front of us, as opposed to something we revisit that we don't have to scrutinize those. And we, I think it actually frees us up to think more critically and with, and, and form more of a critique as opposed to try to figure out, Oh, is this film, where does this film fit into the current landscape? You know, whereas if you're watching something from 2003, you're aware of the landscape, but the landscape's already been pretty set, you know, and you don't have to think about how this might alter it. You're getting to another issue of why I tend to be easier on older films, especially the older they get Mm -hmm. is that if you're watching a movie from 1940 or whatever, even if it's not a very good movie, there's an element of time travel in a way, you know? And so even bad movies become more worthwhile as they get older because they say something by the time they were made. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I'm watching a 2019 movie, I know a lot about the time that it was made. Um, although I wonder if for similar reasons, it may be, um, maybe easier on, a film from another culture because even if the movie is just okay, I'm experiencing something that I don't normally right. experience. And that's, that has more value to me than a white boy, Rick or whatever. I feel bad picking on white boy, Rick and we never saw. Yeah. And, and never will. Never will. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that speaks to something that you and I have been saying increasingly over the years, which is doing what we do semi-professionally but even semi even semi professionally like we see more movies than most people and so novelty is something that is incredibly valuable sure. and if you, when you see something from another like we're very aware of the time we're living in now i'm not as aware of a time from before i was born so seeing movies from that time and then seeing movies from another culture even if they're not that good there's an inherent novelty to them which makes me which makes them just a bit more for lack of a better term refreshing mm-hmm. and anything that's refreshing i'm probably going to be a little bit easier on yeah i want to be clear that uh, i'm neither i nor tyler are using the word novelty to mean trivial no not at all yes uh it's just it's literally novel to yeah. us because of our experience and i understand that a movie made movie like hyenas which is uh, made in uh, senegal i don't actually remember now uh in africa in the early 80s 
mid eighties. I thought it was late seventies, but um, yeah. Okay, maybe it's it's, I haven't seen it since school. So um, yeah, that's novel to us, but is not novel to yeah Senegalese people in that time. Is it Senegal? I can't remember. And that's the thing is it, there's there's always the temptation to treat something as inherently better because it's from this other uh, country, even if it's completely run of the mill for them. It's like well, that almost is borderline patronizing. Patron, yeah. Um, yeah. Which yeah, I, that's a big thing that I think I as a uh, as a uh, God, I think this is 1992. 1992. Huh. I thought it was early 80s, or you thought it was late 70s. Yeah, I got it mixed up. With, um, I must have gotten it mixed up with something else. Uh, or it's possible that yeah, Senegal. At least I was right about that part. Uh, it's possible that whatever we watched in film school was some such a crap of such crappy quality that it looked older than it was. I do tend to remember it that way. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that was a big, what you just said about, um, uh, foreign films is like, it was a big revelation to me in my late teens and early twenties that the French made, uh, pandering middle, middle brow sappy crap yeah. as well as, as the Americans did that there were, there were, there were bad movies come from all over, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, one of my least favorite movies of last year was that never look away that, that, right interminable uh, German movie. <laughs> um, uh, but that's, that, that's not really what we're talking about, but there is, um, but it does speak to what I'm talking about, about how distance makes a movie more interesting, even if it's not, is not necessarily quote unquote good. It's still interesting because it represents something that I don't experience. All the time. Well, I think it's possible to be patronizing about the past as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I certainly think I was in high school where the idea, I, I mistook the novelty of watching an older film for inherent value and thinking like, because I hadn't seen anything like this before, as opposed to what I was used to, which was any modern film, regardless of quality. It's like, well, I'm not used to this. And I think I was just, I, I just wasn't, developed as a film fan yet so that just seemed so inherently better and it's like yeah as it turns out something being older doesn't automatically make it better or more valuable and the idea is like and this is something that not to get too political because i don't have the energy but it's something that that conservatives say all the time about film is they and about things in general but like harkening back to like ah the old days I like I remember like the days of John Wayne and all that so it's like yeah John John Wayne was in the fucking Conqueror playing Genghis Khan is that the movie you're talking about maybe get specific and talk about the good movies of the past and not just paint with a broad brush which I think well, we can do uh, when we talk about older films that's something when you talk about things like value is that fewer older films have survived exactly therefore they kind of are more valuable and the ones that are survived are the ones that a lot of people tend to like generally yeah. um and so there is i guess statistically a better chance if you're watching a movie that came out if you pick a random movie from 1939 that's available to watch now right and a random movie from 2019 you've got a better chance of watching a good 1939 movie because people have gone out of their way to preserve exactly yeah it's i think that where where you get in trouble is uh, and, and what I was talking about just now is essentially somebody extrapolating a larger idea from this. Like the day I realized that, oh yeah, there's always been shit, <laughs> like always. Yeah. But as time goes on, uh, so I recently uh, watched Raiders of the Lost Ark with my uh, my students. None of the, and they had never seen it. They'd never seen any Indiana Jones movie. But it's that idea of 
Belloc pulls out a pocket watch and he says, this is, this is useless. I bought it at a store down the street for nothing. He goes, but if I bury in the sand for a thousand years and someone digs it up, it's priceless. And the key is someone has to dig it up. <laughs> like if someone digs it yeah. up, if someone takes the time to acknowledge, to find it, acknowledge it, restore it, preserve it, then it's, it, it gains that value. Now that's not exactly the same. Uh, because that just suggests that anything that is old, as long as you acknowledge it, uh, that that makes right. it good. But in this case with art, the reason that it is acknowledged is because people at the time, shortly thereafter, and then throughout the ages be like, yeah, there's something here. There's something valuable here. Yeah. Um, have you ever, we're getting off topic, but that's fine. It's about pretension. Um, and I feel like we talked about this somewhat recently. Um, do you ever have a time where like you didn't like a movie? Mm-hmm. Now here we are, twenty years later, say, and it's a movie that's very well regarded. Do you have the a voice that goes like, maybe I need to give this another chance? Like if oh, this I, many people, yeah, we yeah. we yeah we talked about it actually on the most recent uh, Patreon, uh, where okay. people can find uh, patreoncom slash Um Yeah, I no, what, I, what I definitely I, I definitely think that I think it almost all the time whether it be an older film or a newer what, film what example did we use on the patreon i'm trying to remember i don't uh i that i don't actually recall okay. mine mine is usually um i know that it, that's what it was for me for like 2001 a space odyssey but i didn't oh, see okay. that at the time mulholland drive was one that oh, okay i mean it was well regarded at the time and i didn't care for it and as time has gone on i've grown as a as a as a movie watcher and so it's just like a number of people that I trust see value in this and they see something here. Maybe I need to try to broaden my mind a bit. But what I'm, cause that happens too. Yeah. But what I think what I'm getting at is when I dismiss something as being like cookie cutter, you know, populist crap. Yeah. But there's so much of that. Yeah. You know, sometimes movie endures like why that one as opposed to other ones maybe i missed something yeah and so i'm thinking of examples and these movies that i haven't revisited okay but that i either didn't like at the time or didn't think much of at the time that are not very well regarded the two that come to mind are legally blonde okay and um 10 things i hate about you sure which are both movies that are very well remembered by people that i yeah i did not like legally blonde at the time and 10 things i hate about you i didn't think about it an hour after I watched it. Yeah. And I feel like I, in both cases I might've missed something because clearly these movies are important to people. Yeah. I mean, obviously the movie I'm about to mention is, it was like one of the biggest movies in history, but Titanic is a film that, I mean, I was young, I was into movies, but I was still young when it came out and I dismissed it because honestly it was a romance and I didn't like romance and I just, I appreciated the spectacle, but I also just didn't think it was that good. Um, and it came out the same year as movies that I thought were much better and other people weren't even seeing, certainly our age. Oh, sure, um, that happens. You, yeah. You pit movies against one another. That have like, yeah. I mean, like, I, I joke about it, but in 2016, in 2016, it really felt like you had to, like, either Moonlight or La La Land. You weren't allowed yeah. to think both movies were good, which yeah. I do think both movies are good. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm super hip because my favorite movie that year was A Monster Calls, um, oh, yeah. which wasn't in the conversation at all. But um, but that's the thing. So Titanic, like I definitely, that's the thing is, I mean, I was seeing LA Confidential the year before I, and, and I saw Sweet Hereafter. I was seeing The Apostle. The Apostle I got yeah. some good movies that year. Um, and I had seen 
movies the previous year that I really liked, like Fargo. So I had an appreciation of good movies, yeah. uh, but but I, I think I just wasn't able to get out of, out of my own way as a teenager. And certainly plenty of people liked it at the time. And then as time has gone on, I've been able to be like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a movie being romantic. Uh, and so I can appreciate it yeah. on a spectacle level now. There are still people that think like, oh, Titanic. And it's just like, uh, no, rewatch Titanic's it. Pretty it's pretty amazing. I'm a big fan of James Cameron. That said, I would give all his movies back for him to not be such a fucking asshole on set. Like, that's a big thing. Having worked in, even for a little bit as yeah. a production assistant, there's no, there's no reason the production assistants need to be treated yeah. so poorly. Or even, I mean, he treats his entire crew uh, yeah. like shit all the time. Um, it's, not, it's not worth it. No movie, no movie's worth it. It's Did like the... Uh, uh, um, Richard Donner, the Richard Donner, and yeah. the goldfish that we talked about the story before. We need to go do it again. But I do think it's, I'll say this, that with, with James Cameron, like you hear stories about aliens and that they had to replace their DP because their DP just wouldn't listen to him and kept overlighting everything. And he eventually got really mad and they fired him and brought in someone else. Like, well, it's different when somebody's rebelling against you sure, that yeah. I can understand. But yeah, there's no reason to be just an asshole. If somebody isn't to, reading your fucking mind to almost drown the actors in the abyss. That's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then of course working the crew on Titanic so hard that someone rebelled and put acid in the, do you, do you know that there's someone dosed like the, the crew on Titanic. <laughs> I did not crew. know that. It's one of those things. It's like go to. It's one of those you go to Snopes to disprove yeah. something, and it turns out to be true. Um, one of those crazy stories, uh, like the guy who. This is a true story about the guy who applied to get uh, personalized license plates. Yeah, and there was like three options, and he put like, I think it was like sailing for number one or boating, and then he decided if he didn't couldn't get one of those two, that's all he didn't want them so he wrote the word no tags on the third one mm-hmm. he ended up getting a license plate that said no tags and then he started getting hundreds and thousands of dollars of parking tickets like delinquent parking tickets mailed to him because it turns out the cops whenever they gave a parking ticket to a car that didn't have a license plate on it would enter it in the system as no tags oh. and that's one of those things that sounds like an urban legend and actually happened that one sounds just i don't say that i don't mean to be political but like that sounds just bureaucratic enough <laughs> to be a, yeah. like that's full-on like joseph heller yeah. level yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. yeah um anyway so I did actually want to mention something. So when we first, like when you first brought this up just now, I said rather dismissively, I said, everybody does like everybody is harder on newer movies than older movies. And immediately I disagree with myself. Yeah. I That's just, not I, true I, at all. You say it is not. True. I, I think when you, when you said everybody, you were talking about everyone listening today. Yes. Everyone listening to this. Does yes. That. yes. Uh, but then but, I, but, it, but then immediately I was like, well, I did just use a pretty blanket term and maybe somebody misinterpreted, but I also was just like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a teacher of, of students who are not film students. Yeah. And we've watched some older films. We watched, double indemnity and citizen Kane. And, you know, honestly, we don't watch that many older films. Um, and I mean, there are kids who, and they say this with no malice at all. They're not trying to be dismissive. Um, but there are kids who said like, I just don't like older movies. Like they just, they talk different. They look different. It's just not what I'm used to. And it just takes too much for me to get into them. 
And it's like, okay, I mean, I, if you're not a movie person, then why would you put the effort in? Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think that, and then what I, there's a, there's a phrase that bothers me and I'm sure you've run across it when somebody is talking about an older film and they'll be they're like, Oh no, it's really great for its time. And that, that last part, I'm like, wait a minute, wait, 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 what do you mean by that? Is that your way of saying it's bad, uh-huh. but you're trying to placate me? Um, and for some reason that bothers me so, so yeah, much and I can't think why. Too. But, um, but to what you were saying, it's not just, uh, people who aren't movie people don't want to watch older movies. People who aren't movie people also don't watch as many movies and therefore, they're not going to be harder on because just watching a movie is sort of invent on its own. The number of movies that I yeah, saw that, in like middle school that I loved just because I went to see a movie. Yes. Like spy hard. <laughs> I would have told you spy hard was hilarious. Nick it, of time. Nick of time. Yeah. You know, even one. independence day, which I think is crap now. Yeah. I, I loved at the time. Yeah. I mean, to go back to this idea of novelty. Yeah. Like if for most people just seeing a movie at all is not, is a novelty. Yeah. They don't, their time is spent on other things. So like, Oh, Hey, Hey, let's do this. This will be fun. And just the fact that it's this, I don't mean to paint with a broad brush, but it's something that I hear from, uh, young parents is that like, they'll, they'll get a babysitter and go see a movie. And who knows the last time they went out to see a movie. And so they wind up liking it just because it's a break from their life. Even if it's the worst movie they've ever seen that, that two years before they would have hated. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, that reminds me of this. Is, it doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about, but my parents went together to see me, me, myself, and Irene, and they hated it. And then I think you and I saw it. You together and I saw it, yeah. With maybe some other friends? No, just you and me. Just us. Um, and we both loved it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's very funny. It is very funny. Um, uh, also, but it's also, I was actually just thinking about the movie today. Um, <laughs> definitely problematic I think in a lot of ways and it's treatment of mental illness and also, yeah, yeah I'd say it's it, treatment of race is like we like the fact because he has three adopted black sons no right? I mean essentially like these are sons that his wife did give birth to and he's just choosing to ignore the fact That's that right. she obviously has had an affair a long a long standing affair with another guy yeah but it was, and that's like very uh, makes me uneasy that the joke about them is that they're really smart, even though they talk like, I guess, m- black people talk in movies. Yeah, you know. Um, and I don't. I didn't actually remember that that story beat. You know. Oh, that's the thing is that they're all geniuses. I remember that they like they're all really big too. Like yeah, well, right. Anthony Anderson is one of them. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Back before he was like when he was kind of yeah. on the rise. Yeah. But yeah, they like there's a part where they like hijack a co- helicopter because they can hotwire it because they know how to fly a helicopter. But then it turns out the instructions are in German, and there's an argument about which one of them speaks German. And I think <laughs> Anthony Anderson is like. I said I speak it. I didn't say I could read the shit. I don't know why that sticks out so much, so much to me. I mean, it is amusing. The pre- like the f- the fact of them being, I guess, black and speaking with kind of the the sort of the stereotypical dialect. The joke could still be funny if it's like yeah. rednecks, like kind of stereotypical rednecks speaking okay, it. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's yeah, just I like guess that's right. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, says, like, like it's a when he still, goes away for the weekend, he's like, "No bitches in the house." That's yeah. all that, none of that stuff holds up all that well. <laughs> yeah, and just uh, my wife and I were talking about um, how quickly that's happening now because, like, 
and this is also just getting old in a movie that a movie like uh, the four year old virgin which at this point is what 14 years old how old is that that's 14 years old 14 years old um first of all it doesn't feel that old to us and so it's weird to think that it hasn't aged well but like the whole like the whole back and forth of you know how i know you're gay that whole oh, thing yeah you uh, I can't imagine that being in a movie. I can't imagine finding it funny if it were in a movie. And I didn't think that much of it in 2005. And then the fact that one of the background guys, uh, like one of the, one of the peripheral characters who like also works at the store. Uh Um, he shows up and he goes, I don't remember if he's the manager, but he's like one of their coworkers. And he comes in and he says, says oh you know, yeah, and i'm sorry the character is like indian so he speaks oh, he's with an accent guy. yeah no there's an older guy and then there's a younger guy there there are oh, two okay. indian characters yeah um and uh the younger one that guy is in jail for murder really <laughs> yeah oh, it's that's crazy um, um but he's not the manager because um jane uh oh jane lynch yeah jane that's lynch right was the manager. yeah 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 um we've gotten so far yeah it, it would definitely seem more like just I just don't know how many how many I think it would probably still get laughs from from certain audience members but it would just be seen as like just these two I think it would I think it would it would cause us to reflect more on the characters okay as opposed to just like guys hanging out it's oh they're these, these kind of guys. guys yeah yeah That's yeah yeah. yeah um but uh anyway, so do we have any other thoughts on the topic well it's <laughs> I, I was yes I was thinking about the idea this is something I've not yet said to my students, and I don't know if I ever actually will. I don't think it's particularly hostile, but it could be seen that way. Um, there's such a tendency to look at the past. I'm, I'm talking now about like people that that, that uh, look at the past like in a negative way, or movies in the negative way. Okay. Um, it's it's very easy to look at at like an a perceived simpler way of doing things or whatever and just say, Oh, well, I don't really like that, you know? Um, and I've, I've been thinking lately, it's like, well, you know, people who maybe did see these movies at the time, if they were to watch the movies we, we have now, we like to think that they would look, or sorry, maybe we don't. I have thought this in the past when I was younger, that if you were to show Jurassic park, to an audience from the 1940s, they would be so in awe of the technology, and they probably would. But people, but as it turns out, like critics and and audiences that go to film for artistic reasons, they might still be like, well, there's not really much of these characters except for that's Malcolm guy. Like they would still like the yeah. like the idea of dramatic. Uh, like dramatic and artistic complexity and quality that it's not like that evolved over time as we, as our technology got better or as no, our sensibilities got better. The language of film has changed. So I often wonder if someone from like you say, the 1940s watched, uh, Iron Man. Sure. Would they even be able to follow it? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause it's a different film language. It's a, di- yeah, that's the thing. Like it's, it's a different film language and it's also like, as far as the plot, sure. Mm-hmm. These are people watching film noir all the time for God's sake. Uh, suddenly right, Iron Man seems pretty simple. Jokes. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. sort of thing. And like, would <laughs> this, what I'm saying is kind of a joke, but it all, and it could also be seen as like condescending would action sequences play as horror 
to audiences at the time. It would be so uh, disorienting. Yeah. And so that's the thing is, so either way, and that's not to say that that film language has gotten more complex, just that it's different. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's sped up. I it's think. sped up, and just you're able to do more. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you look at the cinematography of Marvel movies versus the cinematography of movies from the '40s or '50s, and like flat, bland, yeah. as opposed to some of the, you know, obviously some of the movies we're talking about, like so much more depth, so much, a much better use of shadow and that yeah. sort of thing. And I so I could it. just see either, I could see both groups looking at the other and saying, that's overly simplistic. You're not doing enough or you're doing too much. And so like, it's, it's so easy for us to think that like people of the past would be in awe and be like, Oh my gosh, the stuff we're doing is so much so, is crap compared to this. Yeah. Like, no, they wouldn't think that they would, it's, uh, it's out of their element. So they, they wouldn't necessarily embrace it. I remember I had a teacher who showed us to illustrate the way film language has changed. And I can't remember what silent movie was, but showed us like a clip from a silent movie that was just like a character at like a, some sort of public place leaving. And it showed him like walking out, yes. you know? And then he showed us a clip from film and Louise in which Thelma and Louise are in a bar, and then it pretty much just cuts to them in the parking lot by the car. Yeah. And we have seen enough movies to go to, like, without even, just subconsciously, to go, like, okay, they left the, they left the bar in the, their, yeah. at their car. But, like, there was a time when people were making movies and they felt like we need to pad this out. We need to see where the people yeah. are, are, are going. Yeah, I mean, uh, teaching... Sorry, I keep going back to teaching. I feel like a broken record, but like that's your job. You're not going to pretend you're not a teacher. That's true. And honestly, just teaching, even if it's something, you know, having to put it into words to people that don't know it forces you to reassess, uh, for yourself. And so like watching the great train robbery, for example, and just seeing that like, yeah, they they didn't have insert shots. I mean, mm-hmm. they could have, but that wasn't part of the language yet. And so there are sequences that just go on and on. And it's like the scene itself, probably if it were made today, probably as far as, you know, time code, like it would probably still go on, but it would feel so different. Like there's a character where there's a scene where a character is like, is in one, is in one uh, car of the train and he looks through, like a, a keyhole and then he reacts. We don't see what he looked at. We absolutely would see what he was looking at now. And then unless that was the, unless that was the tension. Yeah. 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 Um, and then like we would cut to the, it would be a series of like medium shots and close ups and wide shot. Like, whereas then it was just, it was all in wide shot. And so the idea of even cutting to, you know, it's what, it's one of the things that Griffith did is like, if somebody is, if you and I are talking now and then I pick up my phone and I show it to you, he would cut to an insert shot of the phone. There were a lot of insert <laughs> shots of cell phones. In <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the real controversy. People are like, what are these weird little flat, uh, flat things? Um, but yeah. And so I do think that. And hmm. sorry, I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a thought about like, So are we, are we maybe more accommodating going back to the idea of being harder on newer movies than older? Are we maybe over accommodating possibly in, in a way that could be seen as patronizing? Um, 
like yeah we're like overcorrecting was like well the language the filmic language is so different then that i'm gonna cut it some for even unconsciously i'm gonna cut it some slack i think that maybe when i first started watching older movies like near the end of high school and into college um i was probably doing that but now at any given era i've seen enough movies that i kind of can instinctively sort of recontextualize myself i think but that's yeah i don't know I think um, so. I think so too. Um, do you think that? So now I'm going to ask you to make a moral judgment. Do you think it's okay to to be harder on newer movies absolutely. than older ones? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Because it's the um, uh, movies stand the test of time. That's the test part. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that true. We have to like put them through the ringer. Uh, and I don't mean us as gatekeepers because I don't believe in gatekeepers. I right. mean just in general people consuming and appreciating yeah. art have to put it through the ringer. So it ends up being the, the, you know, the, the, the movie that, um, and it doesn't always work. There are movies right. that, um, are, are fantastic that never, uh, see the light of day, uh, or, or they never get the, the respect they deserve. Speaking of which the reflecting skin is coming to Blu-ray for yeah. the first time this month. Um, very excited about that. One of my favorite movies of all time. Anyway, um, I'm actually I'm I'm thinking of an episode now that we could do on the reflecting skin. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. What do you think? I'm an idiot. Um, which is movies that stood the test of time for a while. Like they made it like 50 years, 60 years, and then culture changed just a little okay. bit. Like I hate to say, it, like we don't talk about Gone with the Wind like we used to. Well, you yeah, know? that's a good one. Yeah. Like, and right up until I was watching an old Siskel and Ebert, this was a while ago, but like I was watching an old Siskel and Ebert and it was the nineties and like, there was like a reissue. I think it was like a laser disc reissue of gone with the wind and they're raving about it and talking about it. And it's like, and I just don't hear critics talk about it so much anymore unless they're talking about box office when adjusted for inflation. Sure. Um, like I show the, I show the, the famous crane shot to students of the wounded soldiers on the battlefield. And there's a lot about, there's a lot that's great about gone with the wind it is a great film in many ways um but i don't think that it's uh i i i don't know where it places on various lists but it is it is not talked about about the way it used to be it was like kane casablanca and gone gone with the wind godfather like those were like the big four <laughs> for years and years and it's just that one has fallen off uh and i know there are other examples yeah i'm sure i'm sure there are um i mean hell birth of a nation was one Sure. Yeah. And, and not that, yeah, uh, yeah, I think she, I mean, not that, um, everyone still loves citizen Kane, but vertigo yeah. sort of displacing it on yeah. the, on that list, um, shows that the, yeah, the conversation's always ongoing. So I think to answer, not that we'd like to answer questions that we ask on battleship protection, yeah. but, uh, your, your comment about sure. Everybody does got me think, realizing the entire premise is kind of like that. When I say, are we harder on new movies? I mean, people like us talking and listening yes. right here because the opposite is true of yes. the non movie people type of, uh, you know, as you were saying, people, uh, who aren't movie people are much harder on older movies yeah. than on newer movies. Uh, so that's the answer to the question is that yes, yeah. we are and we ought to be. Okay. That's my, that's where I'm coming down on the question. Okay. Coming down hard. Yeah. 
So you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Uh, also, yeah, make sure to go to the website, uh, Battleship Pretension, this week. We've got reviews up, or at least I have reviews up this week, of The Floor, The Nightingale, and Love on Tosha. A bunch of other stuff I usually uh, call up. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Alex, uh, um, for his Criterion Prediction, column predicted uh, uh Rousseau's four nights of a dreamer which i hope he's right about because that's a, a a great movie and there's not a lot of uh easy ways to see good quality versions of it um anyway you can read about that over at battleshipretention.com oh movie meltdown uh i'm going back two weeks but they had uh kathleen turner on, yeah. on the podcast that's very exciting so uh that's all battleship retention what i was got? i was just on i do movies badly with jim uh talking about uh mike lee mm-hmm. the Sorry, Spike Lee? Yep. Wait. Same. It's the same. I now think they're the same person. No, they um, do the Festival of Animation. Together. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, for the first half hour, uh, Jim is asking me about like being a teacher. So if you want to hear more about my philosophy of teaching right. and my tendency to want to spite my students and yeah. show them like funny games or something. Uh, How then long have you been can, teaching? Huh? Uh, in the area of like, I don't know, three weeks. <laughs> I'm just saying, preserve that episode and listen to it again in 15 years. Oh yeah. And see how embarrassed you are about what you yeah. said. Well, I'm sure then if I were to, if I were to record it in 15 years, like every answer will probably, probably be preceded by a deep sigh. <laughs> um, but no, uh, and then the film, the three films that I, that I wind up recommending are naked Secrets and Lies and uh, Happy Go Lucky. I chose to stay away from the period pieces. Yeah, you could you could actually go back to a Mike Lee two and do Topsy Turvy, Veer Drake, Mr. Turner. Yeah, that's which I which I toyed with the idea, but instead I just like I'll just ta- I'll just address those as kind of like sub recommendations. Yeah. Even though I didn't love I didn't love Mr. Turner as, as much as some. I really liked it. I, I did think, not like Peter Lou, the newest one. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I heard it wasn't Mr. that Turner great. A lot. Um, it's one of those movies like it's obviously it's a very different movie from Mean Streets or Good Time, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> Those like Mean Streets and Good Time and Mr. Turner movies were a part of me during part of the thing was like, I don't like this guy. I yeah. don't like these people. Um, and, and then realizing you don't have to, to, to like a movie. But I always have that it's, sort of when I really don't like it. Like the first time I saw Mean Streets, I was like so put off by the behavior of these young men. It's how I feel. Uh, it's definitely how I feel about Raging Bull. It's oh, it's sure. an episode I, in talking about naked with. Uh, That's another perfect with one, yeah. Jim. It got me thinking about like an episode, not anti heroes. But just like main characters that are just full on mon- just monsters, because <laughs> um, Raging Bull to me is like it, I can acknowledge that the film is amazing. I hate like when people say they re- they return to it, I'm like, why? I mean, yeah. I, like, how much do you have to distance yourself emotionally from this in yeah. order to appreciate so, I mean, it, I, I, the I've artistry? Seen it three times, I've seen it twice. Yeah. Yeah, the I, first time it was so unpleasant. I just said I don't like this movie. The second time I watched, it, I was like, "This is pretty amazing." I'm probably never going to see it again. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm Davy Davy Pretension on Twitter. Tyler, you're at Tyler Pretension. Yes. Anything else to plug? Uh, no. Okay. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.